Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. Welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I am Manny Manuel. Yeah, I didn't tell Manny I was going to do that. He's, he's having a good giggle. <gasps> I'm so happy right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, in case you didn't guess from that intro, uh, we're talking about Groundhog Day today. And uh, if it feels like it's Groundhog Day to you, if it feels like you're reliving the same day over again, like you've already heard this before, uh, you haven't. Unless you have, because I think we're... Never mind. I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> nice. I knew where you are going with that. Uh, we have recorded a Groundhog Day episode before. We did. We've done that. As a matter of fact, uh, we've recorded two, kind of. Or we've talked about it twice. Yes. Yeah, because uh, we talked about it in our uh, top rom-coms of all time episode. Correct. I think I had it at number three. You had it at number two. I believe so. Uh, and then we also recorded another episode on it. Yes. Manny, why are we doing this again? Well, we changed our format of the way we did the podcast, and I figured since we're going to be releasing Groundhog Day episode every year on Groundhog Day, I thought, well, maybe we should record a new one yeah. to go with the new format, tighten it up a little bit. I don't even know how long the other Groundhog Day episode was. I would say it's probably about two hours Probably 220. I had it pulled up on my phone a second Did you? Ago. I, pro- right. I probably don't anymore. So I'll keep rambling while you take a gander. But I figured since we changed formats, this is the format we're going to be using going forward. We should stick with it and record a new episode. And this will be the one we use going forward. Last one's only an hour and 14 minutes. That's brisk for us. That is brisk. Yeah. Wow. Um, so why don't we uh, make strides to make this one equally brisk? Uh, we're not doing any uh, what we've been watching or anything like that, and uh, with no no further gilding the lily, uh, why don't we uh, why don't we get into it? All right. <laughs> so this is a Groundhog Day, released February twelfth, nineteen ninety three, directed by Harold Ramis, written by Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis, starring Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, and Chris Elliott. Had a meta score of seventy two and a letterbox score of three point eight, and I noticed it is on the IMDb top two hundred and fifty. Whoa. At number 224. Cool. Yeah. I did not know that. I know. So I thought I'd add it in. If I ever notice other ones, I'll throw them in there as well. Uh, no Oscar wins because there's no Oscar nominations. No Razzie wins because there's no Razzie nominations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> throw that in there, why don't you? Uh, had a budget of $14.6 million, and it grossed 71. It's mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah, that's a good uh, good ROI, as they say. Return on investment. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I was also going to say, I'm like, we just reviewed a movie that was two years older than this with a budget of almost four times as much. That grossed all, but that grossed basically what this cost. The inverse of this number. Yeah. <laughs> Fun one. Uh, plot. A narcissistic, self-centered weatherman finds himself in a time loop on Groundhog Day, and the day keeps repeating until he gets it right. Sam, your spoiler-free thoughts on Groundhog Day. And if possible, if you can remember the first time you watched it. Yeah, um, this is one that's kind of always been present in my life. It's the kind of movie that is played every year on Groundhog Day on essentially every TV channel out there. Um, So I don't know if I have really a first experience with this movie, but it's always kind of been in my life. And I've I've watched it uh, pretty well every year for for most of my life. Although... I've watched bits and pieces of it pretty well every year for yep. most of my life. I don't know if I really sat down and watched it front to back all that many times, at least until we started reviewing it for the podcast. Yep. Um, yeah, so this is probably, I mean, this is one of the greatest rom-coms ever made. Yep. Uh, it's quintessential Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. If When I think of Bill Murray, of what his you know when he looks back on his career when his career is reflected upon by others what are the roles that people will think of it's kind of 1a 1b for me ghostbusters and groundhog day i agree yeah yep those are kind of the two uh so really it's a quintessential bill murray movie as such your enjoyment of the movie will likely be linked to your enjoyment of bill murray agreed although i don't know of too many people who don't like bill murray i don't think i don't think i've met a 
Bill Murray hater? I don't know if I'd trust somebody if they told me they hated Bill Murray comedies. Him as a person, <laughs> I'm sure uh, you can you can have your uh, opinion on, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, Bill Murray comedies are almost almost always delightful, hmm. um, and this is among the best of them. Um, on top of that, uh, this movie birthed an entire genre. Yes. Or at the very least, an entire plot device. Yes. I'm certain that time loops existed in uh, film and literature before this, uh, but this certainly popularized and arguably perfected the the device mm. and showed what it was capable of mm-hmm. um, as a device for storytelling. So yeah, that uh, this movie obviously has a huge legacy around it. Uh, it's considered to be a comedy classic, a rom-com classic, and it mostly holds up exceptionally well there are a few scenes in there that i find a little uncomfortable personally Hmm. um but we can get to those generally speaking so much of the comedy this movie holds up really well and a lot of that is on the backs of um, a legendary comedic performance by bill murray which at times delves into um some pretty cool dramatic places as well yep so yeah that's it for now for me i'm unsure if i saw this in movie theaters i honestly don't remember I'm probably going to say no, but since I watched it on home video, this has been a staple in my life. I immediately loved it, and I continue to love it to this day. It is my number two romantic comedy. I wonder if it would still hold that position if I redid that list. Might be something we want to think about again. Yeah. Uh, I bet number one would stay the same. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know what? Actually, off the top of my head, this is probably still sticking at number two. Anyways, this movie, I, I like. I basically just want to piggyback on everything that you just said. This is one of the two roles I think of when it comes to Bill Murray. Just like you said, it's either Dr. Peter Venkman from Ghostbusters or it's Phil Connors from Groundhog Day. It's one of the two. And the enjoyment I get from this film rarely dips. I watch the movie probably every year, and I still laugh. I still smile. It doesn't get me to cry. I think it's one of the only rom-coms that doesn't make me cry, but it sure does make me feel good. And it's a movie I absolutely love, and I'm excited to review it again. Again? Yeah, when was the original review for this? I want to say 2020? 2020? That sounds about right. That does sound right. Hold on. Let me see. Uh, I don't see it there. So 2021? That seems recent. Seems recent to me. Look, I have it listed in 2021. I don't have it listed in 2020. Interesting. Okay. Well, I guess that's what it is then. Yeah. Tom Hanks Hall of Fame. Yeah. Looks like it's... Yeah. 2021. Yeah, you know what? I have uh yeah, I have the same thing actually. Okay. Weird. So we only released that 2 years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's the life cycle of the Groundhog Day episode. Wicked. Maybe we'll record another one in 2 years. Doubtful. <laughs> All right, time to spoil this movie in 3, 2, 1. Uh go fuck yourself. We're going to start off with notable scenes. Sammy as always lead us off. Well, I already kind of alluded to it, so I don't why don't I start with the bad? I do have like it is uh, allowed oh, to have start to have bad. bad with the notable scenes. It is a thing that's allowed, as discussed. So I'm I am going to start with the bad. Um, wow. What I was alluding to with some of the things that haven't aged particularly well. Um, Phil Connors' character is. Uh, I almost said Phil Collins. Can you believe that? <laughs> I was talking to one of my coworkers about Genesis today. Anyway, Phil Connors. Um, one of the things uh, about his character that has not aged particularly well is the way he treats Rita in uh, one of the scenes where they are together, where he repeatedly chooses to ignore her. Um, the use of the word no, mm. and definitely comes off pretty rapey. I don't think that this is a type of character that's written too frequently these days um as somebody who is like deep down a good guy that's just not a trendy way to 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 write a character these days so um i don't know i it makes me feel a little bit icky watching these scenes it doesn't really affect my enjoyment of the movie all that much especially because it's a really one scene one kind of short scene and he does wind up getting slapped because of it he gets what he what he's got coming to him Um, but it is something that i feel i should probably just point out it's fair. Yeah, it's fair. I uh, I don't really have much to add to that. Okay, fair enough. All right. 
I'm going to go with my first scene when we meet Needle Nose Ned. Oh, yeah. Come on. Steven Tobolowski? Yes. <laughs> so this is Phil's first day in Punxsutawney, PA. First day experiencing this. Yeah. And he's on his way to Gobbler's Knob, walking on the sidewalk, when he hears a, Phil? Phil Connors? And the absolutely fucking brilliant Stephen Tobolowsky appears as Ned Ryerson. Watching this movie for the umpteenth time, trying to watch with a little bit more of a critical eye, and trying to keep my eyes off of Stephen Tobolowsky in this scene. Phil's reactions are priceless. The constant use of the word Bing still makes me laugh. But one of the things I really noticed as well in this scene and the other scenes with Ned Ryerson is Stephen Tobolowsky keeps touching Phil Connors. Yeah. Constantly. <laughs> and that just adds another level of annoyance. I hate those sort of people who constantly have like a hand on your chest. Yeah. He's that kind of person. I super dislike that. I absolutely love everything about this scene and all subsequent scenes with with Ned Ryerson. He is one of the highlights of this movie for me. You know what I'm always really impressed by uh, watching this movie with him? Obviously, he's hilarious and uh, has this great uh, physical acting side to him, has this great goofy smile on him, is, is way over-enthusiastic personality. All of that's great. Um, but one of the things I kind of appreciated more on this watch was on the looped scenes where we see him run into Ned Ryerson over and over again, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky's performance is identical Yes, in a lot of them, which is, I mean, obviously he's an actor. This is just kind of what he does. You you run scenes time and time again, but like each of his little mannerisms and movements, it, it's pretty well identical and you wouldn't know it was a different uh, day if Bill Murray himself wasn't wasn't if his behavior wasn't altered in some way, which it usually is because he's the protagonist and he's experiencing this in a new way. But I've always I find the same is true mostly about Andy McDowell, although she has some variance in it. But yeah, Stephen Tobolowski uh, manages to be that funny and that precise uh, every time around. Um, so it just goes to show just how much of his performance while it seems very spontaneous and wacky, it's all premeditated. He knows all the moves. Yep. All that stuff, all the, the hand to the chest stuff that seems so just like in the moment, wacky, like a little character moment. He knows all the moves. He knows all of it. The man's a pro. Yeah. I absolutely fucking love it. And then it ends with him stepping in the puddle. <laughs> Watch your first step. It's, it's a, a doozy. doozy. <laughs> all right. What do you got? Yeah. Let me see here. Um, Next one that I have is the robbing of the armored car. Ah. I have always loved this scene of uh, of Phil just perched on uh, on some sort of barrier. Um, I, in my head, he's kind of sitting or leaning against a, a wall of some kind. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a little retaining wall. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's just narrating this entire thing that's happening before him. Um, and it seems like these, which really show how long he's been in this time loop where he, he knows everything every single move that's about to happen before him and he manages to narrate it and then uh the countdown that he does he's like okay and then he puts the bag down spills the quarters 10 9 8 and he begins to walk mm -hmm. and instead of saying the number seven he goes car, car. and a car passes him and <laughs> like just the the choreography in this yeah. is really top notch and i've always i've always loved this actually i agree i i, I love this scene i love it's such a like a fantasy mm -hmm. to to try and well, to rob a bank mm -hmm. and you know like this is the fun version of it you know the serious version is heat uh, but this is a, a great scene it, it's one of the scenes when I get into a discussion about how long has Phil been in here and sometimes people say a number that is in my opinion. Um, ridiculously low mm -hmm. like they're like i don't know like five years i'm like go fuck yourself five years 
Yeah, you can't even learn to be a world class piano player in five years. Yeah, and he's like, he's like fucking Ray Charles up there at yeah. the end. Well, then we're getting ahead of ourselves. But it's something like this: if you're trying to plan this out, to plan this heist would take. I'm going to say just for this heist, a couple weeks. Because it's not like if he tried it once and failed, he doesn't get to restart right away. He would have to wait for that day to end and then wait to come back to that same moment to watch it again. Mm -hmm. So it would take a long time to memorize everything. One, to memorize everything. Two, you have to watch how everything plays out. Then see if if you do something, what is that going to change? And stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. It, there's there's always a like the the butterfly effect, right? Like, exactly. If I do X, will Y still happen, or will it change to Z? Yeah. You never know how your actions in the day are going to affect uh, how they're going to ripple uh, ripple out later. Yeah, but yeah, all all that. This is just one of the scenes I use, and there's another one. Do I use that as well? Let's see. Yep, I have that coming up later. Actually, it'll be what I talk about next. Cool. It's, uh, um, but yeah, this is a, a really enjoyable scene. It, it's always fun. It's always fun to watch a good heist. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them are good, hey? Mm-mm. <laughs> okay, got it. A little insider, I guess. Yep. Uh, okay, m- my next scene is... Uh, so I'll just jump into the one that I want to talk about. It's when he starts telling Rita about being stuck in the loop. Mm. And it's the scene where he actually convinces her. And this is one of the other ones. He goes around the just the diner itself and explains about or tells her about each person. Some minor, I shouldn't say some minor things, some pretty intimate details about these people's lives. Now, she has no way of knowing that he's telling the truth, but his confidence and their reaction lead her to believe that he is telling the truth. For you to get that type of information out of somebody it would require numerous times of talking to them and then doing it so often that you have everybody in there memorized and that's just the people in the diner most likely he's done it with probably most of the people inside the city Mm -hmm. most of them like not everyone again depending on how long he's been in there like what else do you have to do yeah so like he has that like um uh Nancy Taylor Nancy Taylor mm-hmm. the the first girl that he ends up seducing he talks about her he had to have spent numerous days with her they do show he seduces her on it looks like the first try i don't know if i buy that but it it works in the movie but he would have to have made a mistake because I, we see him making mistakes with Rita. I think – well, I mean, it depends how you define the first try because he does talk to her in the diner, memorizes where she went to high school, yeah. and then leaves the next day and finds her at yep. at the uh, Gobbler's Knob. Yeah, and then it's implied that that's the same day because it, it cuts from there to them being in his uh, in his suite. Right, that's, okay. You know, So it implies that it's the same day. That's fine. It works for the movie. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at it from what they set up later where he fucks things up with Rita constantly, right? Unless Nancy Taylor is just somebody that enjoys having an, a very active sex life and has no problem. We do not we do not sluts we do not slut shame here. Hell no. No. Hell not at all. no. <laughs> so, but but basically this scene him talking or trying to convince Rita that he is in a time loop. Him having to, him knowing all these intimate details is well it is impressive but you'd have to do it so often that you would have everybody memorized and so to me that just adds another layer that he's in here a lot longer than what people actually think um i really love the part in the scene where he starts telling her about herself one of the lines i've always loved i don't know why it gets to me you love boats but not the ocean Mm-hmm. It's the way he says it, and it's such a great line, and it shows again the level of intimacy that he would have had to have slowly worked his way. And we see it with obviously with Rita because that's his love interest in the movie. We see him trying time and time again to 
to basically seduce her. But with each attempt, you know, you would get her to open up more because she is very closed off. And it's understandable because he's such a narcissistic pig. Mm -hmm. And uh, being a narcissistic pig, <laughs> I know it takes it, 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 it takes some work to get people to, to open up to you and, and to get that level of trust. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's just an absolutely adorable moment when he starts telling her uh, about herself. And like I said, that line, that line just kills me. Uh, you love boats, but not the ocean. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I love this scene. That's a great pick for a scene. I wish I actually would have thought of that one as well. I didn't, uh, didn't pick that for one of mine, but it is consistently one of the better ones. Um, and thematically kind of ties into uh, some of the themes of the movie, because he kind of begins that conversation by saying, I'm a God. And she says, you think you're God? And he says, no, I don't think I'm the God. I don't think. And he's still kind of being a narcissist. He still kind of has this, um, I don't know, this syndrome about him where he just thinks it's all about him. It is kind of all about him because he's in this time loop. Yep. But um, he still really hasn't realized the joy he can get out of this situation by helping others. Yep. And by having, by really just achieving the perfect day. By yep. saving people, by by being as kind as he possibly can and then by taking that and kind of just making it his personality mm -hmm. he hasn't realized that yet so i yeah i like this uh this diner scene a lot it's good awesome pick. your pick uh let's go with stealing the groundhog oh nice <laughs> excellent choice stealing the groundhog he has uh he's gone off the deep end yeah at this point i think uh around here he has abandoned hope trying to get with rita this is I mean, he's abandoned hope, period. Yes. Yeah, he's abandoned hope. He's realized uh, that there may only be one way out of this. Little does he know there's not a way out of this. Yes. Um, or at least not at first. Um, yeah, so him stealing the groundhog and going on a, on a joyride together with it um, is delightful. And uh, I don't know, the, the revving of the engine going off the side. And um, what's is it Chris Elliott? Yeah, Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott's... Uh, you know, he might be okay. okay. <laughs> and then it explodes. Mm, probably not now. Probably not now. <laughs> is is all great. Yeah. It's all comedy gold. Uh, I love this scene. It has a line I still use to this day, don't drive angry. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also in here. I think I have this in the trivia. Uh, uh, Bill Murray did get bit by the groundhog during this scene. Harold mm -hmm. uh, Ramis says in, in the commentary, literally one frame after, uh, I think he says don't drive angry or I think or maybe when he says check the mirrors or something like that yeah. like one frame after um, yeah great scene a lot of fun and yeah this is the beginning yeah this is the this beginning is the first suicide this is the first suicide if if I was if I was stuck in this time loop this is one of the deaths I would definitely try mm -hmm. like I 100% have always wondered what it would be like to to basically Thelma and Louise <laughs> Let's just keep going. <laughs> I wish you would have said that as the groundhog as he, oh, as he drove off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to go... Spoilers for Thelma and Louise, by the way. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with his um, the best date with Rita, mm -hmm. which leads into the problematic scene. But the... the I'm, I'm, I shouldn't say the best date with Rita. Attempting to seduce Rita. The whole thing just makes me happy. The the drinks, his reaction when he first tries the sweet vermouth with a twist, uh, hates it, but he does it because he's trying to seduce her. Uh, the constant repeating of the same scene is it still makes me laugh, mm -hmm. and like I love how it cuts back to the same music, uh, everything. It's absolutely amazing. Him learning French, telling the French poem, and then she's like, "You speak French?" She's like. We, oui. <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. Um, the building of the snowman, the snowball fight with the kids, um, is really adorable. The the first one, when they fall down together, and you can feel that electricity between them, it's palpable. And that that great, basically chemistry the two of them have in that scene is what makes the subsequent one that doesn't work even more awkward mm -hmm. because you can feel that magic they have between them in that first good one where they almost kiss and they're very close and intimate after that little fun exchange with the snowman and the kids. 
and then the subsequent scene when he plops down on purpose next to her and it's super fucking awkward Mm -hmm. just works out perfectly and then them dancing in the gondola to it just it melts me it melts my heart it melts my frigid heart every time um the perfect song is playing you don't know me by ray charles uh it is snowing for real so it looks amazing uh it just absolutely delights me this whole scene the all that build up of him repeating the same scene over and over leading to this moment with the snowball fight the snowman and them dancing in the gondola uh, and then uh, gets completely ruined with uh, him basically being uh, a predator in, mm-hmm. his, in his apartment or in his suite. Yes, it um, does. But I love this uh, this scene. Uh, yeah, the the the, the 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 attempted seduction. I because it's part of it. The slap montage fucking still kills me. Yeah, definitely. And I'm gonna definitely throw I'm gonna throw this as part of a part of the scene, too. even though it's kind of its own scene. I want I want to throw it in yeah. here as well. Uh, I'll I'll add on to this. Uh, great pick. Uh, I I like uh, I like where you've gone with this. Uh, my favorite part in this whole section of him trying to get to know Rita and to slowly seduce her is is, is this one exchange that they have where she says, "I studied 19th century French poetry," and he laughs in her face and says, "That's ridiculous! What a waste of time!" Yeah, that like the delivery on that line from Bill Murray kills me every watch round of this movie, and I, I feel like I forget about it every time. But nice. it, it, I come back to it new, and then yeah, the next time round, you know, I studied 19th century French poetry, and he just has this beautiful poem just at the ready, yeah, ready to go. Um, yeah, I. I, I like this section of the movie, and I like that he doesn't get laid, uh, I because this section, I think, really shows that he still doesn't really understand what love is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really understand that it's not just about convincing this person to be with you. It's not just about having all the same interests. It's not just... Put it, it's not about putting yourself into a mold that you think they want. It's about two people organically connecting as the people that they are. Yeah. And uh, he, the person that he is at the moment is not compatible with the person that she is yep. still not. They're not compatible yet. So yep. I, I like this section of the movie a lot. Awesome. Your turn. Uh, yeah. Um, do I want to go there? Yeah, let's go. Um, saving the old man. Nice. Or attempting to. Nice. This is what I alluded to earlier where Bill Murray shows off some dramatic chops. This I know that you said uh, you never cry when you watch this movie. I don't usually either, but if I was going to, this would be yep. This would be where it is. This, same. This, I it, I don't know why this always hurts so good every time I watch this movie, but the fact that he I, I think it might just be thematic. It might just be the fact that he has just declared that he is a god to Rita. I think yeah. This is this is after he's had the good date with Rita. Yep. And he's trying to do as many good deeds as possible. Yep. And he's declared that he's a god. I think this is him being humbled a little bit. That's part of it. It's his god complex crashing down where he's like, wow, I have all this power. I have the power to seduce all these women. I have the power to learn everything about people. I have the power to learn everything about Rita. And I have the since I have the power to learn everything, there must be something I can know that I can use to save this person. And it that belief comes crumbling down i think that's why this is one of the reasons why this is so emotional it is oh sorry it's i, I didn't mean to cut you off Please. But, but you actually nailed it because uh listening to the commentary again harold ramus that's why it's in here yeah is to co- to completely take away his god complex mm-hmm. and that's why it's in this movie yeah and it, i think that comes across beautifully i don't think i really thought about it in those terms necessarily on previous watches but it really occurred to me this time around why this is so poignant where he just First of all, him feeding the old man soup. I don't know if that's him still trying to save him, or if he's just, or if he's just trying to comfort him and give him a nice warm meal on his last day on Earth. Mm-hmm. But this whole section of the movie is so touching, and it's maybe I don't know. In my head, it's like sixty seconds long. Yeah, both there. Yeah, and uh, it's not a very large portion of the movie, but it's it's so it's so touching. The, the one part that gets me every time it doesn't make me cry, but it it really it hits me is the first time the old man dies. And he's in the hospital, and he asks to go see the charts, and she says, 
sometimes people just die. And he's like, not, not today. today. It kills me. Yeah. It really hits emotionally. It's his line delivery and everything about this. And then it gets into the montage of him trying to save the old man. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Um, like we stated earlier on, this is our second time recording this podcast uh, about this movie. This scene at the hospital, did you notice the kid with the broken leg in the background? I didn't. I was listening to the. <laughs> I was listening to our last recording uh, this time around, and I didn't notice it. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I did the same thing. I went, damn it. <laughs> yeah. For those, uh, if you haven't watched this movie before or if you are planning on watching it ever again, the scene at the hospital, when before he goes into the room, he's out in the waiting room. If you look on the right-hand side of the screen, you will see a boy in a wheelchair with his leg in a cast. It is the boy he saves later on falling from the tree. It's a small touch that I never noticed until I started doing research on the movie. It's And then when you see it, you're so happy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh Anything else on the old man? Uh, that's it for me. Okay. Uh, my next one is uh, the final date. And I'm going to kind of lump in, instead of calling the final day, I'm going to call it the final day. Yeah, sure. So him doing all the good deeds, him catching the kid. Not once have you thanked me. Yeah. <laughs> Not once. Him, uh, him saving Buster from choking on the stake. Uh, saving the old or saving the old ladies with a flat tire. It's an earthquake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, him playing the piano. His date with Rita. The the ice sculpture of her face is just beautiful. Uh, everything about it. it it's it's just a a perfect culmination. Uh. A, a perfect end to this movie and it's uh he he had the perfect day and whether or not it's this that gets him out of the loop or it's his realization of what love really could be because of what happens with rita who knows but uh i i love this part of yeah, the movie as well even though it's never explained exactly why the loop ends um like, I, i've never really had a problem with that uh his arc has reached a natural conclusion and whatever force it is that's making him experience this loop has obviously gotten out of him yep what what it wants more or less um so yeah i've got no problem with with the way this movie ends just the the unexplained way he enters the loop the unexplained way that he um that he exits is no problem i think that's why it does work because there's no explanation why he's in it yeah and so we don't need an explanation on why he's out not at all yeah. Um, one of the things that I find myself doing uh, when I'm watching movies now, um, since I've worked at a music store for nearly the last two years now, um, I find myself in scenes where there's bands playing, looking at all the gear. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I find myself looking, oh, what kind of guitar is he playing? What kind of piano is he playing? Um, the piano that he's playing is a very old obviously it's from 1993 uh but i have to imagine like there's some fucking expensive nice stuff on that on that stage there there really is Uh, awesome anyway that's that's basically about that yeah the entire last day is is really touching there's a great line uh where uh brian doyle murray comes up to him and says uh or, or his wife says thank you for saving my husband thank you for saving buster or something like that and he says well he was trying to swallow an entire cow <laughs> <laughs> and again it's that it's that dry uh it's that dry wit from yeah. bill murray that just uh that seals the deal so yeah awesome. good pick good pick on that one wicked I've got, I've got nothing left nothing left no nope. all right i'm good as well uh sam What's your favorite scene? Uh, saving the old man. It's a short one, but it's like the emotional core of the movie, as far as I'm concerned. <sighs> this is hard. I love him saving the old man. I love his date with Rita. But I'm gonna have to go with Ned Ryerson. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna go with I'm the first go. the first encounter. Yeah, I'm gonna pick that. Cool. Yeah, that's my final answer. Okay. Performance review. Well, I mean, there seems to be only one place to start. Start away. Got to go with Bill Murray. Excellent choice. Yeah. Um, fantastic comedic performance. As yep. I already said, one of the defining performances of his career. Um, so him, very much playing himself. Uh, 
there's not many people in the world either in 1993 or since who can play both sides of this character agreed who can play the the sweet person that we wind up with at the end the person who's good at everything and loved by everybody but still humble and kind um who, who somebody who can play that character and also the narcissistic asshole that we begin the movie with mm-hmm. uh, very few people can pull off both very effectively other than the great bill murray and i i love him in this role yep the, the role he was born to play uh, he's so smarmy and narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Like he nails it. Uh, and maybe it's because of his performance as a narcissistic asshole who gets redemption. Maybe it's one of the reasons I like this movie so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holding out hope for myself. There's, there's hope for you too. Yeah. Hope for me too. If I can yeah. get stuck in a time loop. Um, it doesn't has... ever seem fun though. <laughs> it doesn't seem fun being in a time loop. Uh, he has a nice arc. As a character, mm-hmm. uh, it's a simple story, a redemption arc. Uh, I absolutely love it. He, I also notice he's actually a really decent weatherman. He, he may is. be a, he may be a dick to his coworkers, but he's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bill Murray does a great job of walking that fine line of being an asshole, but we still love him. Yeah, and the way that he talks to people. Often he's an asshole to people without them knowing it. Like he, when he's talking to uh, the woman who runs the bed and breakfast. Can't spell cappuccino or espresso? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he, like the way he's condescending to her when he's saying, uh, you know, when he's giving his whole weather report spiel, when he's talking about moisture coming up from the Gulf, um, she doesn't, it doesn't seem like she really knows that he's making fun of her. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, the people that he's making fun of are never in on the joke, which I don't know if that makes it nicer or not, but it's less outwardly dickish, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'll move on to the co-lead, Andy McDowell. Mm-hmm. She barely does a thing. Yeah, this character is pretty uninteresting, if yeah. I'm being honest. Um, she does look beautiful on that on that first date. Mm-hmm. Like, when we get to the end, like... the. You know, the snowball fight and the dance. She does look radiant in the snow. Absolutely amazing. I'm also thinking of the, there's a magical little moment where snow starts falling on their actual last date. Yep. The, the day that he gets to live, when the snow starts falling, like, she looks beautiful in that yep. scene. Um, but other than that, she's not really that great. Um, she's not an actress that we're that big of fans of. No, and I don't, I've never gotten the impression, so I've now seen her in three movies. Yep. One of them is just horrendously written. That's not this one. No. That's that's Hudson Hawk. Um, one of them, her character is horrendously written. And that is actually, I'm not talking about this one in this case. I'm talking about Four, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Her character is a genuinely bad person when she isn't supposed to be. She's supposed to be the romantic interest of the movie, and it's a problem. Um, and then the other one is this one. So arguably her best written role, uh, but it's not best written role that i've seen of those three that is Mm -hmm. um but it's not good Um, yeah everything that bill murray says about her like we we see very little of it yeah it's difficult it's difficult because uh you know we only have this one day to see her yeah and we all and also like the movie's not about her yeah but it is a it is about love it is about them falling in love together we should know our our romantic love interest yeah yeah, I don't know. The movie attempts to get to know her with this uh, with this sequence where Bill Murray tries to seduce her, but again, he's getting to know her on kind of a superficial level yep. there. Um, so we, the audience, kind of get to know her on a superficial level. I, she doesn't really do or say anything. No, I no. Know. Yeah, I I'm not in love with this character. Um, the performance is adequate. It does what it needs to do, but it's not particularly notable it's honestly one of the bigger flaws in the movie that's fair do you have anybody else uh steven tobolowski fuck yeah <laughs> he's fucking incredible absolutely incredible mm-hmm. and if this wasn't one of the iconic bill murray roles slash movies i think he would have stolen the movie from somebody else mm-hmm. like steven tobolowski is my second favorite thing about this movie other than Bill Murray. Yeah. Like he is every time he's on screen, it just fills me with delight. He is a absolute 
joy and a fucking powerhouse on screen. Like, born for this role. I, I can't picture anybody else doing Ned Ryerson. Yeah, neither can I. He, he just is Ned Ryerson. I mean, Stephen Tobolowsky has been in a lot of stuff. Yes. He's, he is uh, He's a character actor who's been around for a long, long time. And, and while- he's been in a lot of stuff that I love. Mm-hmm. And on both sides, like he's done some really good comedies. He's been in really serious movies. He was in JFK. Memento. Memento. He's um, He was also in The Insider. Yep. Uh, he, he's had some fantastic dramatic roles, but... And he's been in tons of movies. I'm looking at his uh, his uh, filmography on Wikipedia right now, and I'm having to scroll for a long way yep. just to get to the end of it. Um, but he's Ned Ryerson. That's that's who he is. That is, if you show me a picture of Stephen Tobolowsky and say, what what is this man known for? It's Groundhog Day. Yeah. He's, he's Ned Ryerson for sure. Fucking love it. Uh, I don't have anybody else. Nope, me neither. Okay. Your favorite performance? Is the same as yours. It's Bill Murray. Yep. With Stephen Tobolowsky, a surprisingly close second. Yeah. <laughs> right on. I feel like you love him a little bit more every time we talk about this I movie. do. Every t- every time I watch this movie, I fall more and more in love with, with Ned Ryerson. Mm-hmm. Technical review. Where do you want to start? I, uh, well, I, there's really one standout technical aspect. This I, I'll go ahead and say this movie really isn't about the technical aspect. It's a love story. It's a story about character. And the tech, it never really wows me in the technical arena, with maybe one exception. Uh, the editing of all the montage scenes yep. is pretty clearly outstanding. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like um, the the storytelling. You you pointed out um, when we're in the flash or the, the the scenes where we keep we're reliving that conversation in the bar. The music restarts from the same yep. point. Like it's little details like that that really make a movie. Um, but yeah, the way that the edits are just perfect. The decision to use, um, I guess they would be called smash cuts, um, is is really, uh, I think, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's maybe subversive or um, it's surprising for the time. Um, I don't think a lot of movies would make the decision to just have a shot, a a two shot of having two people talking to each other, then smash cut to the same scene on a different day. Yeah. Like that's a, that's kind of an unorthodox editing choice in particular for the time, but it's really effective for the kind of story that they're trying to tell. So Uh, I I really like that a lot. I'm a big fan of the editing as well. Mm -hmm. One of the things I actually noticed this time um, was a score and slash soundtrack. Mm -hmm. The score is really good. It really helps set the mood for the scenes, especially when he first loops it has like this mysterious yet fun kind of quirkiness to it. Oh, mm-hmm. pardon me. Mm-hmm. That I really noticed. I was like, oh my. I'm like, that's really working. And too much pop. <laughs> um, it really helps set the mood for Phil Connor's kind of confusion over what was going on. Uh, so it was something that I really noticed this time that I really enjoyed. Yeah, George Fenton was the was the composer on the movie. I don't think i really know a lot else from him i'm just scrolling through his filmography right now i think he won for gandhi oh okay which i have seen once i don't remember the score for it. never seen it don't know the score for it okay was i right about him winning for gandhi let's see um i why can't i see that i I actually don't know i don't see i can probably get that pretty quick here and let's see uh, first major break came in 1982 with Richard, Richard Attenborough's biopic Gandhi, for which he was nominated with his collaborator for the Academy Award for Original mm. Score. Nominated. Nominated for five Oscars. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, The Fisher King, which I just watched. Didn't like it. Uh, Dangerous Liaisons and Cry Freedom. And Gandhi. Oh. Oh. So, oh, okay. Well, he got an uh, original song nomination hmm. for cry freedom and then the score for cry freedom yeah, never won the score though nope hmm. okay yeah uh other than that you know obviously i want to give a shout out to the screenplay yeah that makes and sense harold ramus's direction because he was able to juggle everything mm-hmm. all right i think that's reasonable uh your favorite part then uh definitely the editing 100 yeah. percent the editing yeah i'm with you on that as well 
Uh, favorite quotes. Why don't you lead us off this time? Yeah. Uh, number one, watch that first step. It's a doozy. Nice. Uh, number two is is, uh, is from Rita and Phil. Uh, You're missing all the fun. These people are great. Some of them have been partying all night long. They sing songs till they get too cold. Then they go sit by the fire and they get warm. Then they come back and sing some more. And Phil's retort. Yeah, they're hicks, Rita. <laughs> uh, number three is from Phil Connors. Uh, this is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. <laughs> this, uh, this dry sarcasm makes me laugh every time with that. Um, while he's lamenting, I think it's on his third day, lamenting over beers uh, with, with the boys yep. at the bowling alley. Uh, I was in the Virgin Islands once. Yeah. I met a girl. We ate lobster, drank pina coladas. At sunset, we made love like sea otters. That was a pretty good day. Why couldn't I get that day over and over? <laughs> I love the way he says, that was a pretty good day. Yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't I get that day yeah. over and over? And while he is... Uh, Becoming unwound, uh, Phil Connors gives us this quote as well. This is pitiful. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. Nice. <laughs> All right, my quotes are Ned Ryerson. <laughs> Needle nose Ned. Ned the head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. Ned Ryerson. I did the wrestling Billy Button trick at the high school talent show. Bing. <laughs> Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad senior year. Almost didn't graduate. Bing! Again! <laughs> Ned Ryerson, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times and told me not to anymore. Well? <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Thanks. Uh, next up is Ned. Whoa, ho, ho, ho. Watched out for that first step. It's a doozy. Number three. It's Groundhog Day! <laughs> yep. Number four is from Phil. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. And the last one is one uh, that I, I added this time. It's uh, sometimes people just die. Oh. Not today. Oh, I wish I had that one. That's so sweet. Good one. All right. What are you picking? Uh, fuck. I, <laughs> I'm not too sure. I, Because of your love for this quote, I'm going to go with watch that first step. It's a doozy. That's my pick. Your delivery of it kills me every time. Okay. That's my pick. I Sweet. fucking love that yeah. line. Uh, all right. What was the weak link of the film? Uh, the the romance. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say the romance, just broadly. Um, the character of Rita. That's fair. Character of Rita. Very little to do with Annie McDowell's performance. She's doing what's asked of her. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just the character is underwritten. For me, I'm going to go with where you kind of started going with, with the romance. Um, we didn't touch upon it in this review, but we did in the last one. His all of a sudden love for Rita comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. The the only real um, hint we get of any sort of infatuation at all really is, um, I mean, other than him being a little inappropriate to her when they first arrive in Punxsutawney, um, but that extended shot of him looking at her in the studio at the very beginning is like really the only hint that he might be like genuinely romantically interested in her yeah. but but then we don't really see that yeah there's no there's no setup or reason for him to actually fall in love with her and it goes from it goes from zero to 60 mm -hmm. too quick for me yeah so that's the weak link for me all right some trivia uh according to director harold ramus most of the time when he tried to explain a scene to bill murray murray would interrupt and ask just tell me good phil or bad phil mm-hmm uh, the film was not filmed in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, but actually in Woodstock, Illinois, just 50 miles from Bill Murray's hometown. There's a small plaque that reads, Bill Murray stepped here on the curb where Murray continually steps into the puddle. <laughs> there is another plaque on the building wall at the corner that, said, that says, Ned's Corner, Aww. where Phil met uh, Ned Ryerson. And during the Ned scene, the sign for Woodstock Jewelers is clearly seen in the background. So now I need to look for that. Yeah. Uh, Harold Ramis directed the kids in the snowball fights to hit Bill Murray as hard as they could. Uh, Murray responded by throwing snowballs back as hard as he could. Bill Murray was undergoing a divorce at the time of filming and was obsessing over, over the film. He would ring Harold Ramis constantly, often in the early hours of the morning. Ramus eventually sent screenwriter Danny Rubin to sit with Murray and iron out all his, all his anxieties. This is one of the reasons Murray stopped speaking to Ramus for several years. And that several years was about 21. Yeah, they're back on speaking terms? 
Harimus passed away. Oh. They made up shortly before his death. Hmm. I believe, sadly, on his deathbed. Yeah, well, better late than never. Mm-hmm. Uh, while filming the kidnapping Phil scene, Bill Murray spontaneously improvised the line, don't drive angry, don't drive angry, <laughs> to cover the fact that the groundhog, which he was holding on his lap, was agitated and trying to escape by climbing over the steering wheel. A moment later, the groundhog bit Murray's hand so badly he had to seek medical treatment. This line would, decades later, inspire, inspire the title for the Nicolas Cage <laughs> action horror film drive angry i love that um i don't think that was this episode we were talking about that right no it was last it was last yeah yeah, well, yeah. We, we were just talking about drive angry on another episode we recorded tonight that's yes. so funny um phil at the piano teacher's house when he is fumbly playing sergey rachmanoff's rhapsody on a theme by paganini is actually bill murray playing <laughs> he does not read music but he learned that much of the song by ear whoa that's actually that's actually interesting the, uh, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say. Um, do you recognize the name of that composer? Sergey Rachmaninoff. Yeah. No. Rachmaninoff. Rachmaninoff. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, the the Rachmaninoff of the third rock in the movie Shine that ah. uh, the character is attempting to play. Gotcha. But, yeah. Anyway. Uh, the French poem Phil recites in the German restaurant is quoted from the 1957 Jacques Brel song "La Bure du Sablateur, or Bachelor's Dance. Uh, this poem... Tra- I'm not going to try and read the one in French. I'm not going to do it. Uh, but this is the translation. It's actually pretty sweet. The girl that I will love will be like a fine wine that will become better a bit every morning. Mm. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Danny Rubin, the creator of the original screenplay for Groundhog Day, had mixed feelings of the final movie. Quote, It's a great movie, and it has made my life a lot easier in many ways. However, I quickly learned that working as a writer in Hollywood, you have to compromise in order for your work to be produced. The fact that Harold Ramis had interest and took the time to edit and polish the script so it got made, plus help with finding funding, funding, as well as directing the movie, I'm very grateful for all of that. At the same time, when I watch the movie, I see more comedy than what I intended more of a romantic story than was ever in my script. Many of the darker elements toned down. Something feels off when you watch something you created and there are things you don't remember in your vision and now they are there. Again, I don't want to come off ungrateful. I understand the odds of getting a movie made from a spec script are similar to winning the jackpot in the lottery. Thanks to Harold Ramis for it. Thanks to Harold Ramis taking an interest in the script. I now live a comfortable life where money is never a worry. The movie just didn't turn out fully how I envisioned, and that's something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. End quote. That's a little sad. Yeah. I hope he, I hope he has found peace with this. Um, Danny Rubin's first draft of the screenplay ended with Phil Connors waking on February 3rd to discover that Rita was trapped in a time loop of her own. Whoa. That is... I don't know how that would work, but it is interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, I meant to send this to you. Um, I'm going to try to say, ugh. Is there any way I can, uh, okay. The German title of the movie is Untaglich Grupp das Murmeltel. Unreal. How bad was that? I have no idea what you said. Okay. Okay, um. Und täglich grüßt das Mürmeltier. Okay. Meltier. Um, it means daily greets the... What is... I don't know that word, Mürmeltier. Oh, the groundhog. The groundhog. Oh, okay. The groundhog greets every day. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I butchered the German so bad. That's okay. I, I meant to send that to you so you could read it. Okay. So thank you for... <laughs> thank you. Um, the title has... Uh, and what happened was the title has been adapted in Germany as a humorous proverb which is often used when something is frequently repeated, especially annoying or awkward things. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cher stated in an interview that fans would send her letters saying they loved the song she made for the movie Groundhog Day, Mm. not realizing that the song was actually recorded in 1965. Yeah. 
She also stated that the movie helped boost album sales for her due to an interest in the song. Yeah, this is this is what I associate with uh, with Sonny and Cher. Yeah, like this this movie is basically the entirety of my knowledge of Sonny and Cher's discography. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. I did. Um, I did know that it was recorded before, though. I did I, know. That. I, I did know that. <laughs> um, when filming the Ned scene, Bill Murray noticed the hundreds of spectators who were viewing the activities. He then went to the nearby bakery, ordered 500 Danishes, and paid for them himself. He and St- Stephen Tobolowsky then distributed them to the grateful onlookers. Aw, yeah, nice. Uh, when Phil takes the elderly man to the hospital and talks to the nurse, a boy with a broken leg can be seen in the background. That's the one. This is the same boy who falls on the tree later on the film, only this time Phil catches him. Um, they shot 25 takes of the closing scene when Bill Murray wakes up next to Andy McDowell as they were unsure of the tonality of the scene. They were not sure if Phil and Rita should still be in their clothes or not. Ramis had everyone on set, cast and crew, vote as to how it should be played, and the final tally came down the side of the couple still being in their clothes as they had not yet made love. I agree. Yep, I think it's, that, the, it's the right ending. Yeah. 100%. Uh, Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis wanted to add another Ned Ryerson scene at the last minute. So Stephen Tobolowsky wrote the scene where he rattles off numerous insurance policies. Tobolowsky based his character on his own insurance agent. After the movie's released, the agent called Tobolowsky to thank him for portraying agents so accurately <laughs> rather than making fun of them as most movies do. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> uh, according to the website Wolfnards, Bill Murray spends eight years, eight months, and 16 days trapped in Groundhog Day. Too low. Incorrect. The Movie Truth Review series calculated Murray spent 4,576 days, so that's 12 years, 6 months, and 11 days stuck in the loop. Still too low. While the website Obsessed with Film claims he was trapped for 12,403 days, just under 34 years. Getting warmer. I think what the number you and I have reached in discussions is somewhere between 80 and 100. Yeah, that's what, that, makes, that makes me feel comfortable. Yeah, because like I said, like I don't think you can become a piano player that good in five years uh I, like i i don't know how long it would take daily practice like i i don't know like, i don't know how you would calculate all of this and the ten thousand hours number is, is very controversial yep. in a lot of fields for a number of reasons but like the amount of people that he needs to memorize like not just learn it once but like have it reiterated to him yeah to the point where he cannot get it wrong um learning to become a world-class pianist and a uh an ice sculptor and learning how to save everybody's lives in town that might die that day, um, plus maybe all the other skills we don't even see, yep. all the other stuff we don't even see. Um, yeah, that's that's. I'll I'll call it a century. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Uh, the last time it is February second, and Phil Connors kisses Rita Hansen, it begins to snow, foreshadowing that the loop has been broken. The same thing happens at the end of It's a Wonderful Life where the snow signifies that George Bailey is back in the reality where he exists. Now, see, I like this, mm-hmm. but but what's the scene that melts my heart when they're dancing at the gondola and it's snowing? Mm-hmm. And that's that's before the loop breaks, so I don't understand why someone wrote this. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I love that when I saw it and I wrote it, but then after I was doing my notes, I'm like, hey, I'm like, it's snowing when they're dancing at the gondola. Sure. In my head, I've always thought the same, though. I've always thought that the snow there signifies that the loop is over. Yeah, but it's it's snowing when he's dancing at the gondola. Okay, I believe you. You've seen this movie more times than yeah. I have. Uh, though Phil Connors almost certainly experiences February 2nd thousands of times, 38 of which are said to be actually depicted, noted elsewhere on this page, a careful sorting of isolated sequences and or events plus a parsing of Connor's dialogue accounts for at least 42 days. The exact number of days of additional weather predicted by Punxsutawney Phil. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good. And the last one is something I did on the last podcast. I have to add it in here because I think it's fucking awesome. The winning bid for Phil Connors in the Bachelor auction is $339.88. An amount that to this day appears arbitrary. But there's an interesting coincidence if the decimal is dropped. 33,988 days works out to precisely 93 years and 43 days minus a minute. From January 1st, 1900, and not counting leap days, 93 years and 43 days ends on February 12th, 1993, the day Groundhog Day was released in theaters. Fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, casting what ifs. Uh, I have a couple. Okay. Harold Ramis originally wanted Tom Hanks for the lead role. Yeah. But decided against it, saying Hanks was too nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other people that were up for the role, Chevy Chase. Would have been able to be an asshole really well. I wouldn't have believed the nice side, though. Nope. Steve Martin. A good pick. Robin Williams. A good pick. John Travolta. Mm, don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I don't it's think so. And the only one that I think would work, Michael Keaton. Yep, Michael Keaton's good. I mean, Robin Williams would have been able to make it work, but... He, he is just very inherently lovable, I think. Yeah, Ro- the Robin Williams movie is a different movie, though. Mm-hmm. Slapsticky. Yeah. Not my, not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. All right, closing credits. Would you watch this movie again? Yes, I would. We already have. Yep. <laughs> would you recommend this movie to friends? Yes. All the time. Mm-hmm. I get excited when I find out somebody hasn't seen this. In mm-hmm. fact, I think like three or four years ago, I made my friends Katie and Tanea watch this for the first time. Mm, nice. Yeah. Uh, MVP of the film? Uh, Bill Murray. Steven Tobolowsky. Just kidding. Bill oh, Murray. nice. No, it's Bill Murray. Recommend a good double feature with this film. Uh, there's two obvious ones. Palm Springs. Okay. And Edge of Tomorrow. Those are the two obvious ones that come to mind. Okay. If you want good, uh, good time loop movies. Palm Springs is the one I picked. Yeah. I thought... I don't know if you remember, you recommended this movie as a double feature with Scrooged. Mm, good call. Yeah. Yeah, so Scrooged. Fine. Yeah, but I, I went with Palm Springs. Scrooged is not the best recommendation to go with this one, but this one is the best recommendation to go with Scrooged. I agree. <laughs> well done. What will be this film's legacy? Uh, the I, I, I'm going to stop short of calling it the birth of the time loop mm-hmm. device because it it has been used before, but the popularization of the time loop. Uh, this is what I have written down. It's the same idea. Yeah. Uh, this is now the reference for time loop movies. Yeah. Like when we talk about Palm Springs and we, t- when we talk about uh, edge of tomorrow, it's uh it's groundhog day with aliens. Yeah. Like that's, that's what it is. Groundhog day is now the die hard. Yeah. It's, it's shorthand. Yep. It's shorthand for a time loop. Yep. Really. Um, did you learn anything from this movie? Yeah. I, I wrote down the sentence. I think it makes sense. You tell me. It is simply, you need to work on yourself first. Oh, I like that. That's what I learned. All right. Uh, I have, don't waste your life. Make the people in your life happy, and that will make you happy. That's good, too. I like that. All right. Your final thoughts on Groundhog Day. Yeah. So there are certain aspects of this movie that I I like and don't like. Um, The aspects that I don't like are... They seem like they should be major. Um, the Andy McDowell stuff really feels like it should be um, structural. It really feels like the movie should crumble around that. But it's equal parts romance and character study. It's about this cold, bitter man locked permanently, imprisoned in this in the worst possible place imaginable. This place that he reviles and uh locked doing this thing that he hates talking about uh talking about the groundhog all the time um and having to learn to embrace his situation and love himself and improve himself um rather than just try to seduce his love interest he knows that he won't really find or he he comes to learn that he won't find love uh until he loves himself so I think that's why this movie is still so resonant today. The lesson within it is timeless on top of the comedy being uh, still pretty darn good for the most part. So, yeah, I uh, I still really like this movie a lot. I fucking love this movie. This movie is a comedy classic, a romantic comedy classic, one of Bill Murray's most iconic roles, one of the two in my opinion. Everything about this movie is something I love. There's one problematic scene uh Sign of the Times. Yeah. Early 90s. Yep. You'd think it was made by Miramax. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Ooh, yeah. Miramax. Oh, there we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, otherwise, this movie is an absolute fucking treat of a film. It is the, like we mentioned, it is now the reference point for time loop movies. It is absolutely hilarious. It's fun. It makes me smile. It warms my heart. 
It's a movie that I can watch over and over again, and it's one of the rare movies that I do watch every year. Mm-hmm. I love Scrooged. Scrooged? Oop. <laughs> <laughs> I love Groundhog Day. <laughs> Scrooge is the other one I watch every year yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. Both Bill Murray. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sam, time to give this movie a rating. What are you giving Groundhog Day? I think I've given this a five every other time we've talked about this. Have you? I think I have. 2021. I'm not sure. Sam. Where are you? 2021. Where can I find you? Hmm. Sam gave it a four. Is that right? It In my correct. head, I gave it a five. It's funny. I was I was about to give it a four, and I was feeling like I was going to have to justify myself and just be like, well. But yeah, it's, it's still a four for me. Um, I think I gave it a five maybe when... Uh, we did it the first time, although we weren't really no. giving star ratings. No, you gave it a four. Like I, I mean, like the the first first time that we did it, like uh, when we talked about it. Uh, oh, in, in, in rom coms, to- but we oh. weren't rating movies then. But I think I had considered it a five back then. I think the problems with Andy McDowell's character are well documented at this point, and the problems with the with their romance are well documented. It doesn't ruin the movie for me in mm-hmm. any in any way, shape, or form. It's not like a structural problem, but it does exist, and I think I'd be dishonest to not acknowledge that and my uh, my displeasure with it. So, uh, firmly a four, really enjoyable movie that I, I do watch just about every year. Five. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Slam dunk five. Mm. Easy five. Not even hesitation. So, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star review and a positive review as well, it will increase the profile of our podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can follow us on Letterboxd, which we would love it if you do, because we love Letterboxd. You can follow us at Sam Reimer and Manny42, respectively. You can email us at SamMannyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. I think that's about it. Uh, We have no idea what's going on next week because we're recording this uh, out of order. And looking at the schedule, do I know what's going on next week? Nope, I can't say can't say just yet. So, for the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. This is one time where the podcast format really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel pre- predicting the weather. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios!